0: Hi, I'm Liz. And I'm Rhea. Welcome to Karma's My Bitch, a podcast about love, sex, connection, abundance, joy, purpose, peace,
1: and how life isn't simply the stories we tell ourselves. I have to say it's something that I've definitely noticed. And I wonder if other people around us have noticed that, you know, when you are happy. In, in a relationship or in an interaction, and you share that even with your friends or your family, we I mean, there's experiences with me, you, you tend to become quite secretive because you almost don't want to share your joy in case somehow it becomes tainted. And I found that really interesting because it does feel unsafe to fall in love for many of us because we associate once we fall in love, we will eventually have to fall out of it again. And the pain of knowing it and then not knowing it, it's almost better not to know it at all.
0: That association, that You know, to love is to suffer. And it's certainly a very 3D concept, I think. And one that I think sadly millennials have had to really burn through and wake up to so that they could help bring in a new understanding around love relationships and what that really means. But so many seem to have such an adverse (laughs) response to these experiences that they just seem to want to shut down. Love doesn't belong to
2: us. We don't make love. It's not, it doesn't come from us. When we love, we're blessed that the divine is flowing through us. To open ourselves to that kind of flow of love is indeed scary if we think that we have to be in control. To open our hearts and let the love flow is to acknowledge our own divinity. When we fall in love, we literally fall in love. We literally are just sort of knocked into the heart of God Up until this point in human history, it has been very dangerous to be big and immense and gorgeous and bright and full of light. It was like painting a target on your back. If you were smarter or stronger than others, then those in power were intent on wiping you out because you were a threat. So it's been very, very dangerous to stand out in any way. We know that when we are in love, oh my gosh, we stand out like crazy. You can see when someone's in love. They're full of light, they're glowing, they're shining. You know, it's like a bride on her wedding day. That has not always but often resulted in tremendous suffering and punishment and pain. And so that's our DNA association. One of the things that we're doing as we wrap up this immense spiral is we're actually going through the spirals of DNA so that eventually we won't carry that with us and we'll know that it's perfectly safe to be living in God's heart because there's no more separation in our world which would enable someone else to come and wipe us out because we're full of light.
1: When you're talking about being clear and light is that really working through your own trauma and really clearing yourself so you can be as clear and as light as you can be? We can imagine
2: that the heavy parts of our lives weigh us down and that it, it makes us dense. It it makes our vibration look like big hills and valleys. Mm. As we lift off those densities, work through the heavy places, let them go, just naturally, our vibration is higher. We feel lighter. I mean, those are the words we use. It's so yeah. wonderful. Mm. And it's because there's more God information mm. that is intersecting. That is, we're more conscious that everything's an expression of God. Mm. And so then we know that there's only love. And we can either participate with it and flow with it, or we can take ourselves out of life. I think it takes a lot of courage to be a human being and show up for our lives, because it has been so painful. And courage is such an interesting word. It's a state of the heart, cur, right? The French. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so to be encouraged is to be placed in our own heart. Mm. And what do we find in our hearts? We find that it's like a slippery slide. And our own hearts are just, you know, sort of a slippery slide into the one heart of God. And so we can either live in our hearts or we can choose to miss our
1: life. What would you say to those people who have a battle between, let's say, their hearts and their heads? I mean, I'm definitely one of those people. and I know a lot of people around me are as well. You know, we tend to overthink, assign meaning to our stories, assign meaning to the constant chatter in my head alone is just exhausting. But, you know. But entertaining. (laughs) It's definitely entertaining. Yeah, but I find that the separation now, I don't necessarily experience it without. I experience it within, between those two.
2: There is no separation between head and heart. (laughs) We're one. The left brain and the right brain and the heart knowing and the body knowing and the knowing in ourselves and all of our sensations, our hearing and sight and taste and smell, these are gifts that enable us to intersect with the world around us and within our own beings. Always, you know, the question is, how can I be most like God? How can I best shine with love? How can I best express the light? How can I raise the vibration for myself and everyone around me?
1: To get to that place, you do have to overcome a lot of fear. But once you're able to have overcome your fear, then you are able to be more present and, if all your actions come from love, whether it's a mental love or a heartful love, your divinity is shining through, which is that you are doing the best you can, which means you are perfect.
2: You know, we who are privileged to be in body for this time, we were chosen because of the unique pieces that we're able to bring to this process, pieces that are absolutely necessary and required for this whole earth plane to change dimensions and move from separation to oneness, it's huge. And so every one of us here in body is here with a clear purpose. The purpose is about being. It's about who we are. Sometimes that's all that's necessary. And sometimes that's translated into a doing which we would call a mission. Mm -hmm. So everybody is here on purpose and some people are also here on mission, that their purpose is translated into a doing. It is the question of the hour because as this spiral ends and we are disconnected from it and everything inside and around us is changing, we feel very untethered, and the places that we normally connect in with are not there anymore. And so it feels for many of us as though we've been tossed into the void, and we're floating around in outer space, and we don't quite know who we are, or what we're doing, or where we're supposed to be, or how that's translated, or how we're to behave, or... Who were to be connected? I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, it's a free for all.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to use those words. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's, it's a free, free for float. all, and it's a free fall. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Yes. yes, or a free float, or whatever
2: mm.
1: that is. Free float right. sounds better. I'd love to float. I'm more, I'm more that. Fantastic fall with hands and legs like <laughs> flapping. Well, we're actually,
2: rising, we're ascending. So it's it's a free up, right? That's nice. <laughs> well,
1: that's a good one too. I like we're to think been about... freed up. Yeah, <laughs> I get on board on that.
2: We're all being freed up, and it's you know quite yeah. disorienting to be so freed up, to be literally unplugged. You know, we're all unplugged from our normal lives. So the question is, you know, who am I, really? What am I here for and how am I to define myself in indefinable reality, right? Mm-hmm. When nothing lasts for more than a second and nothing therefore is real and I can't count on anything and I don't know how I'm to be in a world in which nothing is. The answer is that if there's any time to turn inward and grab on the divinity that is at our core, it is now. We talk about how over the past decades we have heard that we need to build our faith Hmm. and we we've worked on building faith and I think it's of course for this time, for this moment, we have been building our faith muscles Mm -hmm. and what is faith? Faith is about grabbing on tight to something that you can't see, or that you can't prove is real. That Mm -hmm. is grabbing onto the divine with both hands and holding on tight, because that's the only constant, that's the only stable place in this tremendously evolving, transforming world of ours. So who we are can only expand, that is, How God expresses through us can only grow bigger. And if you weren't keen on the word God, could we substitute that for love? Love or the divine or the natural order
1: or spirit or anything you want it to be. Mm. Yeah, Because I guess if loving yourself and having faith in listening and giving yourself space and being able to kind of find that anchor in, I have faith in my purpose. I have Mm. faith that I matter. Mm-hmm. You know, I have faith in the love I feel for myself and the love I feel outside of myself. How is beautiful. Is that enough?
2: That's beautiful. Sure. Absolutely. You know, we always want, we always aim for the truth of our essence to shine through. And it's necessary that that truth always be clothed in compassion. Mm-hmm. Truth is the material expression of light compassion is the material expression of love so we always require that our truth come
1: clothed in compassion
2: that the light is clothed
1: in love i will not love myself at the expense of you loving yourself i can be in step with you
0: that's right because we've been banging the purpose drum for about two seasons now, has it?
1: More. Maybe more? We link even partnership to purpose-based.
0: And you know, always
2: our primary partnership is with the divine, with mm. God or spirit or nature or whatever you want to call it. Mm. Right. That's always our primary relationship.
0: And so for people who really are now wondering my purpose, my, my reason for being, why I've landed here... In this time, in the space, what would be, in the simplest way possible, how do you get there? So right now, we're
2: like cakes that are not fully baked yet. We're very <laughs> much in the oven. And we're primarily still batter. And we don't know how we're going to look when the baking time is done. Oh, interesting. We only know... That I don't know if you guys bake, but oh, I do. Oh, Liz is a massive baker. Totally keeps me grounded, <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> yeah, after I a big you. class, I'll run into the kitchen and bake something because it's you know playing with the flour and everything else keeps me very grounded. But you know that there is a very vulnerable time for cakes. That is when the batter is just beginning to coalesce and come together. Mm-hmm. And you know that if it happens that someone slams a door hard right then, the cake will fall and it won't become an edible cake. And so right now, we're at that point. We're at that very vulnerable Mm. point. Mm. We're only half-baked and we don't know yet how our deliciousness is going to look or finally be expressed. And what's our baking
0: time? Six more months? We
1: don't know. (laughs) We don't know. I was about to ask, by the way, (laughs) Um, when am I going to be ready?
0: (laughs) (laughs) When will I be ready to be frosted? Because I want to be a frosted cake. (laughs) 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 With decorations and
2: everything. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, no matter how many times you make the same cake, it's a different baking time for every cake Mm. because the ingredients are slightly different. And the atmosphere is slightly different. And the oven is slightly different. We know from quantum physics that everything is relational. Everything is interactive. And so as we are, so is our cake. And, (laughs) And so we don't know when it will be time to, you know, take the cake out and let it cool and frost it. We don't know. But we do know that we are at a very, very vulnerable point right now in which we're the pupa in a chrysalis right we're like we're not we're not caterpillar anymore and we're not yet butterfly we're mush that's
1: pretty and, an accurate feeling actually yeah, what feeling. It, <laughs> mush.
2: It's a really delicate place to be mm. we are absolutely vulnerable mm. and so the best we can do right now is just to treat everyone including, especially, ourselves as very precious and very fragile and very vulnerable. We want to treat everybody really gently and carefully and sensitively because without our normal veneers around us, we are each so rubbed raw so easy to be irritated or burst into tears or yell at someone or blame something everything if we if we look at the world in a jungian kind of a way then everything that we are involved with or engaged with is seen simply as a reflection of of us yeah. yes mm-hmm. uh everything becomes about us. You were you were saying you were kidding around about that before, but it's such a beautiful way to be. It's such a beautiful way to experience the world that mm-hmm. truly, truly everything is a reflection mm-hmm. of a part of us. Is it a time for healing or is it a time for
1: being? Both. Both. Because I think Both that something. would be the thing, is it you know, sometimes when you're feeling very vulnerable the relief that you're looking for is doing a soul memory discovery session and having some healing or something like that might be a nice thing to do when you're feeling so vulnerable. And Or I was wondering, or is it something where actually like just sitting on the couch and eating some ice cream and watching some TV is kind of the way to go?
2: Both are incredibly worthy and useful. <laughs> it's, it's a very intense yeah, very time. Good. And we can only tolerate these levels of intensity for so long before we have to distract ourselves from it, we're all remembering, literally re- remembering who we are, which is about going back and picking up all the loose pieces and making a whole jigsaw puzzle so we can finally put it away. We alternate that with distracting ourselves by working or attending to the family or watching TV. We're human. And how wonderful to be able to just acknowledge that
1: and accept where we're at and what we need to do mm. for ourselves. When you talk about picking up those pieces, remembering what's happened to us, whether it's been a traumatic moment or the stuff that we've stored, what do we do with that? When I find myself remembering a painful breakup, when I find myself remembering an uncomfortable situation, when I'm forced to take responsibility for the relationships that I've created and apologize for my part in them, like what, where is the healing in that? What is the healing in that? And how does one then put it away for it not to come back?
2: To understand and to make peace with that to be in equal step with it to be in compassion to understand it couldn't have been any other way that's right the only reason that we would have to revisit something is because it's not done we go back to the scene of a crime because we left pieces there and what we left there was the underlying ultimate learning and so there are gifts that lie in those places and we go back to reclaim those gifts, and those gifts are almost always about compassion. You know, it's always a much, much bigger story than we know about. Oh, amen. <laughs> That's very um, true. Do, do I do I have time to share a personal story with you? I with yes. yes? <laughs> Sorry, we love personal stories. Me I'm do. so bored oh. of hearing my own. <laughs> when we come to a completion, we do always some version of a life review, which is why you're going back and looking at all those pieces now. And we all are, every one of us, because this is a completion, right? So many years ago, when I turned 60, I found myself without even knowing I was doing it, I found myself doing periods of good life review. You know, I got really, really sick when I was 16 and I was in bed for many, many months and when I got up I was a different person and my life was different and the, and the trajectory of my life was entirely changed and it was you know, going to be nothing like what I thought it was going to be about. Anyway, so I am very good at having hissy fits, major temper tantrums, with the divine. I pound my fists and I cry and I scream and I beat the floor and I
1: demand and I command and I Maria you know, can relate to that. Join the club. I wrote I oh, wrote oh, once I wrote oh, once oh, something yeah. called Fuck You Universe. It was a whole yeah, exactly. ten pages. Exactly. Oh absolutely.
2: <laughs> I, I'm really, really good at that. And most often it's on behalf of clients or the world or, you know, when I I, I, I just I'm so angry.
1: Probably Liz can relate but to that the bit.
2: Perceived injustice too, and unfairness, really? exactly. and the pain you are in, and it's like not okay anymore no. and enough, right? Exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 So, and give them a break. Yeah, that's right. Right. So, my really wonderful place for hissy fits is when I'm driving around in the car on the air. <laughs> well, that's right. helpful. <laughs> right. Why not? So. I'm alone and nobody else can hear me. And, you know, I try to, like, make my face okay when I come to red lights so people looking at me <laughs> yeah, or call the police, yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah Right. I'm so good so, at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I'm driving around and I am just in it. And I am screaming, how could God have let me get sick and, and changed my life? And how could that have happened? And I was just a kid and okay, and, I, and I'm and i evolving here as I'm screaming, you know, okay, I agree that I'm responsible, that I chose it for myself. How could you have let me choose this? I was only a little girl. What, how could you, I was so, imag- what did I know? I'm, I'm just going on and on and on. And I'm driving down this big road toward our house. And it's this long road. And at the end of it is a major intersection. And about a half block away is another small intersection. Mm -hmm. And that half block is up a hill. So there are two lights. One is a big light and one is a smaller light. And it's hard to tell which is first because one is up a hill. And so you see them both at the same time. So I think the light I'm driving toward at 50 miles an hour is green. But as I get close enough, I see, oh, no, it's red. And so I, (laughs) because, you know, I'm not paying any attention at all, really. And I stop literally an inch behind this big, fat, white utility truck in front of me. Mm -hmm. so that the truck takes up my entire window. And plastered on the back of this utility truck is a very big bumper sticker, and I've never seen it before or after. And in big black block letters, it has the opening lines of the book of Jeremiah. Before I created you, I chose you. Before I placed you in the womb, I consecrated you to me. And in red cursive underneath, it says, Love, God. Well, that was all. That was the end of my hissy fit. No more hissy fit. I got it. Thank you very much. Yeah, point made. You know, most of the time, we just don't know the big story. Maybe sometimes we're lucky enough to get a glimpse, but the reality is that the story goes on and 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 on forever. We are eternal, the soul goes on forever. The story is never over, it's never done. We can't wrap our linear brains around that, but that's what's true. And what we don't get now, we'll get later. And what we don't have a chance to fulfill now, perhaps we'll choose to fulfill it later. And it's like this immense epic just because there's a mystery in chapter two doesn't mean that it won't show up again for resolution in chapter 1012.
1: Whilst the story is long and whilst we can, as you were talking about, once we step into compassion and we we can remove the suffering and allow the emotions to come through us, but how do we really finish that timeline, finish that story and free ourselves from the echoes, the, the scars of 3D? You know, the reason that
2: we are faced with the same thing over and over again, is simply because we didn't get it that time. (laughs) Right? It's like everything else. It will knock on the door, and if we don't answer the door, it will just keep knocking. And if we tell it to go away, it may go away, but tomorrow it will be back knocking Mm -hmm. on the door. So we really need to answer the door. And I think that's the bottom line, that we just need to show up for our lives. We need to be present. We need to be conscious. We just need to wake up and be present for our lives. It's ourselves knocking on the door. We are demanding attention. Mm -hmm. We're like the little kid who falls down and has an ouchie. And we go to our mommy or daddy and we tug on their pant leg Until we get their attention, we of course are being asked to do that for ourselves now. You know, I think that's what we're learning right now. That's the challenge. Can we go back to all those incredibly horrible missteps where we didn't measure up to our godliness and we abandoned ourselves and we let ourselves down and we were out of integrity and out of alignment? Can we return to those places and actually get the richness that is sitting there waiting for us to pick up? And that richness is the opportunity to say, I'm so sorry. Let me kiss it and make it better.
1: It's funny when you say that because I remember... A while ago, I had this real image of myself lying in bed, crying, crying, crying. I'd just been had an awful fight with someone and, you know, and I couldn't sleep all night. And in that image, I remembered coming as myself and just putting lying next to me crying and putting my arm around her Mm -hmm. and just being like, you're not alone. And it's funny because that crying in bed all night used to haunt me. And from that moment on, it never did. Yes. It was like I stopped being alone in that moment because I was with myself and therefore I never it never haunted me again.
2: We play the old Monty
1: Python, run away, run away!
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, every, every time we're ashamed of ourselves, but every time we run away, eventually we'll be called to return. You know, it knocks on our door, it mm-hmm. comes after us. You can't run away mm-hmm. from your own divinity. Mm-hmm. You know, I think anybody who partners with the soul memory discovery work, the work will be shaped by them. And soul memory discovery will also shape them, as any good intimate relationship does. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're shaped in all of our relationships, and we shape all of our relationships. And so I think our facilitators, the people who are doing the soul memory work around the world now, are all developing it and being
0: developed by it in unique ways. What I think is so extraordinary about the work is how much light it holds. Yes. That of all the modalities out there, it has a tremendous amount of light, which helps it maintain its integrity.
2: It will not allow itself to be corrupted in any way. It will not allow itself to be used for limiting or oppressive or manipulative ends. It will shut itself off before it will be used in that manner. And so it has never been sullied. It has never been corrupted. There are a few modalities that are like that. Reiki is one of them. Reiki Mm -hmm. cannot be used for ill. The energy will just stop flowing if it's being used with ill intent. Common practices like astrology or numerology, myriad other healing modalities, have all been corrupted over time. So when you engage with them, you always have to be wary, you have to be alert. A good example of that is uh, when people use Ouija boards.
1: How would you describe that awareness? How would you say, well, this is how you can be more aware? Oh, it shows
2: up for different people in different ways, depending, again, on how you're designed. So some people will get that uh-oh feeling,
1: mm-hmm. right?
2: Some people's minds will say, mm, this doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. Some people will say, wow, that didn't pass the smell test, mm-hmm. right? We all know, but we know in different ways depending mm-hmm. on how we're built. Anytime you begin to feel like this is not of the light like the hairs on the back of your neck begin to stand up or you begin to get the uh uh-oh feeling or something doesn't feel right or you begin to get scared or afraid
1: i mean sometimes i get scared but it's more like oh god you know i have to face this or you know (laughs) it's not like i'm scared of the energy or the work i'm more scared of what i'm gonna have to deal with (laughs) down the line
2: (laughs) So hard to come into our own divinity, isn't it? It's just—it yeah. is so much work. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Actually, it's—it's it's harder to hold it off. Yeah. Our exhaustion and tiredness, and anxiety, doesn't come from owning our divinity. It comes from standing at the door and not letting it in. That's yeah. tiring. You know, people always say to me after a session, oh, you must be so exhausted. And I know for Liz, this is true for you as well, that it's energizing, it's wonderful, it's exhilarating to sit in the light. It's much harder to end the session and walk out into 3D (laughs) than it is to sit in the light (laughs) and just be who you are.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be people who'll be hearing this and being like, oh my God, I'd love to have a session. Yes. Is this something that you still do, one-on-one sessions? Um, cool. And and it's something you, you can be in any country, you can be through Zoom and stuff, or does it have to be in person? No. Most of my clients
2: I've never met face-to-face. So okay.
1: Yeah,
2: all, right. all over the world. And we also have about 500 facilitators all over the world, like Liz, so who are practicing so you know if you want to have a face-to-face if you want someone at least in your own time zone we have we do have people all over the world
0: and if you want to subscribe to the cosmic times you yes. can do that as well so your website is soul memory com. you guys are so beautiful
2: and it's such an honor to be able to sit with you thank you so oh, much the oh, honor thank you
0: my thank yeah. you ellen for making thank the time you.